proclaim the good news of Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The peace of our risen Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church as we continue to celebrate the great 50 days of Easter. There is a friendship pad that is on each one of the pews near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it, fill it out, and pass it down so that we know who is here with us today. You can see that this week on Tuesday afternoon, our book group is meeting. They are discussing the book called A Peace of the World. If you've read the book, you're welcome. It's not a closed group at all. Anybody who's read the book is welcome to be there, men and women alike. Also, this Friday is our third Friday fellowship, and they are going to be uh, listening to someone talk about trying to prevent human trafficking in South County. It is a potluck. It is also a great evening to get to know other people in the church. So if you have been attending a while and you think, how am I going to meet anybody here? Because I'm just sitting next to them on Sunday and I'm not really meeting them. This is a wonderful way to be able to do that. We sit around the dinner table and chat before we hear our speaker. And it's a, a great evening together. You can sign up on the patio for that so that we know how many people to set places for. Also, as part of Jerry's retirement, we have been having some several home gatherings to reminisce and tell stories. I hear that last week was really a wonderful time together. Uh, if you would like to come to one of those, there's a list of them within the connections, and you need to sign up so that we know that you're coming. You can do that online. Also, the retirement party for Jerry when we celebrate him and roast him at least a little bit is going to be on Saturday, June 4th at El Niguel Country Club. If you receive our e-connections, you got an email this morning saying that those tickets are on sale as of this morning. And I've talked to probably a dozen people who said they already went online and got those tickets for the dinner uh, today. We have 300 seats. I don't know whether they'll sell out or not, but I encourage you to go online and get those tickets and be part of that celebration. Our children are signing up for summer programs, including Vacation Bible School and Camp H2O, and you can see the information about that there. And on the patio this, today, we have a display from Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, and there's a group there from our church that can tell you about some possibilities of a short-term mission trip. They're thinking about going to Houston to do some work helping them in recovery from some of their uh, recent hurricane troubles and disaster. Um, also, people have asked, at the end of the service, there are some bins at the doors where you can throw your bulletin if you'd like. But if you'd like to take it, we'd love to have you take it with you, especially the connections that tells you what's going on during the week. Uh, those are only there because we recycle them for you. So feel free to take it with you or take a bunch to all your neighbors if you'd like to. Let's turn our hearts <laughs> to the Lord. Join me in prayer. God of resurrection life, we celebrate Easter still. Each Sunday we come together, we remember your life, your death, your resurrection, the pouring out of your Holy Spirit upon your disciples. So we ask this morning that you will speak your word to us again. Open the book to us. Interpret the scriptures to us. Allow us to see you. Transform us and empower us for your mission through us. We pray in your name. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. Come and see the love God has given to us. Come and see what it means to be children of God. Come with this hope 
that Christ's presence is real. With, With joy, joy, we, we come, come to see, see the Lord. Lord. Miraculous God, come to us now, even as your Son came to those first disciples on the shores of Galilee. Speak, Speak your, your peace, peace to our hearts. Touch, touch us with, with your Holy Spirit. Spirit. Reveal your word that we may hear your message this day and live as your disciples in the days and years to come. Risen Christ, be glorified in this hour of worship. Amen. Let us stand and worship the living God. Church, hail him as thy matchless king. Bless his holy name, and so we sing together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, let us be seated. We're going to sing that chorus one more time. Sing, church, like never before. Psalmist calls us to confession. Know that the Lord has set aside the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when we call to him. When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Answer, Answer me, me when I call. call. O God, o God of my, of my right, right. You, you gave, gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Know that the Lord has set aside the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when we call to him. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
Wondrous God, we confess that at times our doubts and fears override our hope and faith. Forgive, Forgive us when we lose sight of the joy of your love and instead fall into despair and gloom. Lift up our spirits, Lord, and help us to remember the promise of new life here and now, not just the hope of resurrection for the future. Forgive us, restore us, and renew us, we pray. We know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when we call to him. And so, Lord, we bring to you now the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, hear the good news of Easter. The tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. There is no darkness now, only light. Receive the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are loved, restored, forgiven, and raised to new life. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us be still and know you are in this place. are listening. Amen. Word of God speak. And the Word of God does speak. And the Scriptures are illumined by the Holy Spirit. 
as the living Christ interprets for us the meaning of the word of the kingdom and causes it to bear fruit in our lives. Read to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Story of Easter. Each of the Gospels tell the story of Easter in a little different way. But in this text, the disciples on Easter Sunday evening are in the upper room. And while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and they took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he, under, he, he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And John the Apostle, in his old age, in the last decade of the first century, wrote not only the Gospel of John, but also three letters that are in the New Testament that I read from 1 John 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God of resurrection life, as we open the book, may you open our minds our eyes, our ears, our hearts to receive, to be restored, renewed, 
and empowered for the mission that you have for each one of us and for your church. We ask this in your name. Amen. It was in um, 2017 that Claremont Graduate University sponsored what they called Peter Drucker Day. Some of you may know Peter Drucker or have heard of him or read some of his books. He was one of the early gurus in management theory. And so they gathered a large number of people in the auditorium at Claremont and they had a number of speakers about organizational theory. And then the announcement was made that they would have a special visitor. And the special visitor was Peter Drucker. The only problem was is that Peter Drucker had been dead for several years. And yet there were many people there who had never met him, never seen him, never heard him, and wanted nothing more than to be touched by his wisdom and his experience in organizational theory. How would this happen? The curtain was pulled back, and there was this beautiful hologram of Peter Drucker giving a lecture imparting his wisdom and strength. And there must have been some in the audience who wanted to go up on the stage and shake his hand, put their arms around him. But no, he disappeared. He was but a hologram like Obi-Wan Binganobi in Star Wars, <laughs> channeling the powers of the Force imparting wisdom to those who were in conflict and cosmic warfare. The Gospels move in a totally different direction than hologram, don't they? And that is good news. Luke 24 tells us that early on the first day of the week on that Easter Sunday morning that the women went to the tomb and they discovered that the tomb was empty. The angel made the announcement that Christ was risen, he was risen indeed, and they would see him soon. They ran back to the other disciples and to tell them what had happened. And yet the community was disbelieving, struggling even with the possibility of this. Only Luke tells us the story beginning in verse 13 of the two disciples, probably a husband and wife, who had been in Jerusalem on Passover weekend, who were believers in Jesus, members of the group of disciples, and as they were returning home on Easter Sunday afternoon, they were speaking together about the things that had happened to Jesus of Nazareth, at least the reported things. And as they walked that seven-mile journey to Emmaus, they were joined by a stranger, one they did not recognize, one they did not know. And as he walked, he asked them, what are you talking about? 
And he said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know about the things of Jesus of Nazareth, how he went to Jerusalem, how he was arrested and convicted and put to death and buried? And some of the women report this morning that he's alive and they've seen him. Are you the only stranger who does not know this? And the stranger then co-opted the conversation and said, oh, foolish men, how slow you are to understand the Scriptures. And then he began to interpret to them the things from the law of Moses, from the prophets and the Psalms about why it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and die on the cross to be buried, but on the third day to be raised from the dead. And as he interpreted this to them, their hearts were burning within them. As they were coming face to face with the stranger who was not just a stranger, but was the living, resurrected Jesus Christ. Can you imagine such a thing? They invited the stranger into their home in Emmaus. And he joined them. In an act of hospitality, at the dinner table that night, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And as he did so, their eyes were opened and they saw who it was, Jesus, alive, resurrected by the power of God. And just as quickly as they caught the glimpse of Jesus, he disappeared from their sight. Suddenly they knew that the message that they had heard was true. They got up from the table and they ran the seven miles back to Jerusalem. These people were in really good shape. Having walked seven miles, then they ran seven miles back to Jerusalem, went to the upper room to report what they had seen. And the other disciples said, yes, Simon Peter has seen him also. And there they were together, locked behind closed doors. And suddenly, the Jesus whom they had known throughout all those years was present with them. And he said to them, don't be afraid. They were startled. They were terrified, as any one of us would have been. This was totally beyond human comprehension. They couldn't put it together rationally. It didn't make sense to them. And yet there Jesus was. And he said, don't be afraid. See, I'm not a ghost. You think I'm a ghost. They could have used the word in our time, hologram. <laughs> Does a ghost have flesh and bones as you see that I have? See the wound in my side the print of the nails in my hands. Believe. Do not be doubting. Have you anything to eat? And they gave to him a piece of broiled fish. And he ate it in front of them. And they were filled with awe at the mystery 
of the one that they had known died and had been buried, but was now alive in their presence. And what he did was take the book of Scripture, the Word of God, and he opened it to them. And he began to interpret out of the law of Moses and out of the words of the prophets and of the Psalms, the prayer book of Israel, how it was necessary and why it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and die and to be raised on the third day. And this was the beginning of that journey into the new reality of receiving the promise of a new identity for that Christian community. This is what the Apostle John was writing about in 1 John. At the end of the first century, he was remembering back. He said, we declare to you that which was from the beginning, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. We declare it to you. And then he said, hear this, the promise of new identity. Right now, in the present, you are children of God. And what he was saying is what the whole New Testament bears witness to. That in the moment of faith and in seeing the resurrected Lord, they receive the gift of acceptance, a radical experience of grace and adoption into the family of Christ. And Christ, the resurrected one through the power of his spirit, who had breathed on them in the upper room, came to dwell within their hearts, to live within them, to give to them the mind of Christ, to help them understand the Scriptures, to understand more fully who God was, but also to understand who they were. And how important is that? Someone were to ask you, who are you? Or if you were to ask yourself, who am I? As a baptized Christian, what would you say? I'm a child of God. I've been born of the Spirit. I've been born from above. I've been adopted into God's family. I've been forgiven, reconciled to the Father, and connected with a group of people. All of this is grace. I haven't earned it or deserved it. It's simply a gift of a new identity. A few years ago, Tom Harris, a psychologist, wrote a book called I'm Okay, You're Okay. He said, we have great trouble saying about ourselves, I'm okay, because down deep we have this awareness of guilt and shame, and we know that we're sinners. Somewhere along the way, we develop a very negative attitude toward ourselves, and one of the great needs that we have in our life is be able to affirm ourselves, but how can we do that? We know we have not yet arrived. If I'm going to be able to say, I'm okay and you're okay, I need a higher authority, a higher power that can say to me, I love you just as you are. I give you a new standing and right relationship with me. 
I impart to you the righteousness of Christ. I come to dwell within you. You are my child right now. We are children of God. Do you know that about yourself? The image of God is being restored within you. And it's a great gift. And it is as if God is saying once again, you are very good. Or God doesn't make any junk. But flesh and blood persons who are beloved by the Father and redeemed by the Son, and dwelt in by the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God, that's the new identity. And because we are children of God by grace, we can begin to say to one another in our most intimate relationships, you are also, I'm okay, but you're also okay. What a gift friends can give to each other. What a gift we can give to one another in the family of Christ. We belong. Not because we've earned it or deserved it. But it's simply a gift from the word of Christ. And this is a part of the truth that needs to be opened for us concerning our new life in Christ. But then there was the promise of transformation. We are the children of God now. It does not yet appear what we will be. But we know that when He appears, we will see Him as He is and be like Him. This is the destination for every one of us, for the church, and in a very real sense for the whole cosmos being like him, the author of all life, the one who spoke and called everything into being, being transformed so that the image of God is renewed within us. We know that we have not yet arrived, that we are saints and we are sinners at the same time. One of my gurus is C.S. Lewis. Taught me so much about the Christian faith and about biblical truth in his famous book, Mere Christianity. He says that we as Christians, we wake up every morning, we get up, and we dress up. But in addition to putting our clothes on so that we can go out into the world, we dress up like Jesus Christ. We put on Christ. We reckon ourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God. Our, our identity is in God, in Christ. Even though we know that we have not yet arrived at perfection, but we recognize slowly that there is a work of transformation going on so that we are learning to think like Jesus, to feel like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to become like Him. The great mystery of life is that the more we become like Him, the more we become our authentic selves. I'd have to say about myself today, I'm more Jerry than I've ever been. And so are you. But hidden within that affirmation is that I'm growing over the years to be like Him who claimed me 
and redeemed me and has come to live in my heart and yours. And so we pretend when we get up, Lewis said, that we dress up like Christ. We pretend that we are Christ. And what God is doing is turning us into little Christ. And that's an amazing notion in itself, isn't it, little Christ? We know the truth about ourselves. Every last one of us can be really ugly. And we can say things that we wish we could take back. And we can do things that we're not proud of. And our conscience can be convicted. And we still struggle with issues of guilt and shame. But we come back into worship to hear the prayer of confession and to enter into that confession to hear the declaration of pardon, of forgiveness, that we are forgiven. And it's a whole new beginning but the day will come when we will be like him for we will see him as he is in the fullness of time. Won't that be a day? Lewis told the story in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe about Aslan, the Christ lion who was raised from the dead. And the first thing that resurrected lion did was bound into the witch's castle and into the museum where there were all the stone statues of the living creatures or the past living creatures of Narnia who had come under the spell of the witch and been turned into stone, lost who they had been. And what that beautiful huge lion did was that he bound it up and looked into the face of every one of those characters and he breathed upon the statues and as he breathed upon them the line of life began to move upwards and the ultimate result was those statues became no longer stone but living persons as they had been in Narnia set free from the powers of sin and death no longer frozen but restored to the fullness of life. I love that. And I celebrate the fact that we are a resurrection church and that we are a Pentecost church and we have been breathed upon by the Word and the Spirit and we are alive, we are saints alive, even in our brokenness. The promise of transformation. One day we will be like him. Perfect in love. Perfect in obedience. Perfect in our love for God and for one another. We long for the day because that will mean the transformation of all human history. But in that upper room, Jesus also gave the promise of a new power and a new mission. He said, you are witnesses of these things. And I'm sending you out amongst the nations in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to dwell within you. And you're to be a light to the nations. 
The illumination, the transformation is not just an end unto itself, but so you can participate in the mission of God for the transformation of all of human history. And that is the call of the church in our time, to be redeemed, transformed children of God who carry the presence and the power of the love of God in our lives to the ends of the earth. And that is what has happened for 2,000 years. Christ alive, the kingdom of God present, bearing fruit, the slow and gradual transformation, the great prayer that ends the New Testament is, O Lord, our Lord, come quickly and complete the work that you have begun. How wonderful it is, what a gift it is for me to proclaim this message of new life. We're children of God. We've been promised transformation to become like Him when we see Him as He is. And sin and death will be no more. Some of us have come in here this morning and we carry the dust of death in our spirits and we're on the brink of despair and we need to be comforted and strengthened and have our hope restored. And the living Christ is here opening his word to us this morning, wanting to breathe upon us again, to restore, to renew, to empower us for the work that is before us. Life is not over because this whole creation belongs to the sovereign God who has promised to bring all of his promises to fulfillment in the kingdom of God and the new creation. So it's Easter time, folks. And this is what we're seeking to learn between now and Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church to give to us that inner indwelling that can allow us to be a blessing to a very needy world. I invite you to stand with me now and to affirm our faith together in the bulletin, the brief statement of faith of the Presbyterian Church family. Responsively, we read, In life and in death we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God, the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God, Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, forgiving sinners and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition. Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised Jesus from the dead, 
vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
living Christ, we thank you that as you came to the disciples, you come to us again and again to open our minds, to change our lives, to call us to walk in your love. How grateful we are that you are with us when our failures overwhelm, when our faith falters, when our relationships break down, when grief overwhelms. We thank you that in your mercy, your love embraces planet Earth. So we pray for leaders and people of each country around the world. Give comfort to the people of Syria in their suffering and grief over the unrelenting conflict and loss. Bring your compassionate care for the innocents in every place around the world where lives have been torn apart, where homes are devastated, where people have become refugees, where children have been made pawns in the political maneuverings of others. Bring the peace and restoration that only you can achieve in our broken world. And so we bring you these gifts asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this world, even as we pray for the day when your kingdom comes in its fullness, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Westmont College, they ask us for the annual of that year to list our favorite biblical verse. And I want to end the service with this one this morning from Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's great prayer 
for the church and his benediction for the church at Ephesus. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. would encourage you to be seated and listen to this wonderful postlude and then to go forth into God's world.